Hello, hello, hello. You're welcome to the beautiful game. You're very, very welcome to the show here back on UC 98.3 FM, our second week back here on the beautiful game. Hope you're having a lovely, lovely Monday and uh, hope you had a good weekend as well. It was absolutely hectic. We'll be getting into it very, very shortly with James O'Donovan. He's here in studio with us as always. Uh, we'll be looking back at a dramatic weekend of NFL action as well as the club action as well in the JAA really coming to a peak I think it's fair to say at the weekend and also Kieran Deneen will be joining us a little bit later on to discuss Munster and the rest of the Champions Cup action uh, along with our hidden gem as well so loads to come over the next hour or so uh, James Donovan you're here back with us for another week delighted to see you again this is it Sam pleasure as always how are we Good, good, good. A little bit sleep deprived because uh, I was up late last night. We'll be getting into it very shortly about the the NFL. It was a mental mental game. But before we just uh, keep going, just a bit of housekeeping. A few people were asking about the the podcast last week, so we'll ha- we have a backup and running for this week. So once uh, we exit the stage uh, this evening, we'll have uh, the recording. Technical of it. difficulties came in. Uh, Last Absolutely. week, but we're back. Power we're is back. beyond their control. Exactly, that's it. Politics, you know, it's politics. No, we're already <laughs> joking about that. But uh, we have a back up and running for you uh, this week. And uh, for anyone who was here last week, at least you won't have to listen to Kieran Deneen's prediction that Gaul will win the All Ireland again. So that that is something. But uh, as always, you can find us on at the beautiful game uh, on Spotify. You can now rate us as well. This is a new thing. I got an email about it there. From the powers that be, uh, the, the CEO of Spotify himself, I would presume. Daniel Ek, uh, future owner so. of Arsenal, yeah. I hope. Um, you know, so now you can race your favourite podcasts on Spotify as well, so do that and obviously give us a five-star rating. But I'll tell you, one thing that got a five-star rating anyway for me was uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not a massive American football fan, but I think I told you this story before. I have a soft spot for the Buffalo Bills because I saw a great uh, ESPN documentary about them uh, called they're The Four Falls of Buffalo. And, they're uh, the perennial losers. It's the Mayo, the Mayo <laughs> American football essentially yeah, yeah they've lost a lot of, a lot of big games down through the years a couple of Super Bowls notab- four four in a row 90 yeah. to 93 yeah. I mean no, no, notable um, miss kick I think to win the game in one of those Super Bowls I think is one that sticks in I don't know if you've ever seen on Sky Sports they do some great series um, the America's Game series where they'd focus on a, se- yeah. a team for a particular season but the, they, they usually focus on the winners but that they do the odd one special on um, some of the, the great stories that nearly made it and the Buffalo Bills I remember watching a show on them I think of the the. 90s and then missing that kick but yeah it was a, a case of deja vu for this new crop not not none of these Bills uh, players can trace the way back to that many of them probably weren't even born back then but uh, unfortunately the ghosts seem to still haunt the Bills it looked for for certain a couple of times in the final few minutes of Sunday night's game against the Kansas City Chiefs that they had it wrapped up and that there was no way for the Chiefs to come back but if there's one thing we've learned over the years from Patrick Holmes, even though he's probably only been in the league three or four years, is that he's never beaten until there's no time left on that clock. And the case in point being Sunday night, 13 seconds left, drove down the pitch, kicks a field goal to tie it, sends it to overtime. Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, arguably MVP of the season, incredible performance again on Sunday. And he didn't see the ball again. Patrick Holmes drives down the pitch, the Bills defence is wrecked. 
and the Chiefs scored the game-winning touchdown. Mental. It was mental. I stayed up for it last night just out of curiosity. To, to, I'm a bit of a bandwagon fan, as you as you may have picked up on already. But it was, it was too late for me, and I'd be more into it than you. So yeah, fair play to your dedication. It was down to be after the weekend that it was. Now we'll get into the other games as well. But after the weekend that it was, it really was the creme de la creme on top of everything. It like. Uh, you couldn't begrudge it being an absolute stalemate 9-6 affair and it being boring because the rest of the games were just that good but it just it it, it came up to the level of those games and just surpassed it it's just the quality of those teams probably the two strongest teams left on the strong AFC side of the draw and they just did not disappoint it was tit for tat the, um, Josh Allen comes down in, in Arrowhead we have to say as well the Chiefs home stadium which is just an exceptionally loud place to be especially fortress, really, it yeah. is an absolute fortress it's deafeningly loud uh, for the opposition team and Josh Allen opening drive drives down the pitch scores a touchdown statement of intent and it's just tit for tat the whole way through the game and 24 points ended up being scored in the final three minutes of play it was just if anyone I think there's YouTube clips of the highlights of the NFL games it's definitely worth a, a browse this evening if you're, at, if you're at a loose end because you will be endlessly entertained yeah it, it, was, it, it just shows you how cruel sport can be then you know they've been trying for years and it's all they've got an unbelievable fan base um, you know a great travelling support to match the, that kind of atmosphere that carnival kind of feel to Arrowhead as you said as well you know the Bills Mafia and they um, well they shot, they finally got the, the kind of Patriots hoodoo off their back as well in last weekend in the wildcard weekend they got that Patriots hoodoo who have I think they've beaten them uh, I can't remember the exact stat but they've beaten them a large I'd say close to 90% of the time in this century and the, the Patriots being their divisional rivals a divisional team being someone you play three times a season um, so they just can't get away from the Patriots and the Patriots have been stuffing them most notably with Tom Brady and the like of the last and Bill Belichick in charge um, for the last 15-20 years and to finally smash them and they absolutely cons- comprehensively routed them in the opening weekend it looked like this could well be their year and as we've, as we've mentioned already time isn't and the NFL they don't really do fairy tale stories well not too often anyway so there's, there's no guarantee the Bills while a lot of their players are young and they've talent on both their defence even though their defence probably didn't hold up too well against the Chiefs but that's Patrick Mahomes and that's a different case he's, he's an exception there's no guarantee they'll be back next year and this probably was their opportune time uh, What do you make then of this because you know more about it than me but like you know this overtime rule where essentially a coin toss can decide yeah, a lot the game. Of, a lot's been given to this now. The last uh, after last night's uh, game, it it is probably a cruel way to finish um, a match. But like the the NFL have changed in recent years. It used to be just any score. So it used to be you could. So they toss a coin for anyone who doesn't know. At the end of a, a American football match, if the game is tied, they go to overtime, and to decide who gets the ball first in overtime, they have another coin toss, like like you'd have in soccer or something, to decide which team tips off first. But in NFL, it's more important because. Do you have possession? It's very hard to get the ball off a team. And the NFL changed it a few years. It used to just be any score wins the game. It's kind of like golden goal. It it would be the analogy to soccer or something like that. It'd be golden goal. And but now they've changed that in that if you kick a field goal, which is like a penalty in rugby, you kick three points. If you kick one of those, the other team gets a chance, gets the ball and gets a chance to drive down the pitch and tie it up, which is more fair. But they still they want I think the NFL, they come from the point of view that they want a touchdown to win it and that they want to prioritise a touchdown to win it. They don't want the game going on indefinitely and where you've already had a team that's been out there for quite a long period of time, quite tired. Um, 
and that's why they, they do focus it, it's just unlucky it comes down to chance of who gets the ball come on the Bill, what about a, a good the Bills were never going to stop Mahomes as I said Mahomes is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time if not the best we'll see where he ends up at the end of his season or at the end of his career but um, like the Bills were never going to stop them but maybe the Chiefs would never they would be able to stop the Bills by the way Josh Allen was playing for the Bills it's unlikely either way so uh, to leave something like that to chance but like that's like saying his penalty is the best way to end it it's a good old fashioned you know what they need now they need a good old fashioned penalty shooter or a good old fashioned <laughs> GA replay that's what they need now a good money spinning replay yeah I don't know yeah I don't know how, how aware they are of the GA and it's money making schemes but uh, yeah it could be a good idea because they the NFL um, they need primate to come up with maybe a more amicable solution but I think it's, it, it's fair enough as well at the same time do you know both teams um, it's not Arbitrary. It's it's a simple coin toss, and there's nothing stopping them stopping Mahomes as he drives down the pitch. I know they're tired. It also has to be said the Bills should have won this in 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 normal time, but for the the magic of of Mahomes. But they also probably didn't help themselves at times. And um, notably, maybe kicking the ball like they could have kicked the ball. What's known as a squib kick, so they gave the ball back to the Chiefs with 30 seconds left. They could have done a squib kick, which would have been taking more time off the clock. They gave them as much time basically as the Chiefs. Now, 13 seconds is still not yeah, a lot the of common, time. Yeah, the commentators were saying that, like the analysts now on, on Sky Sports, where I was watching, were pointing out as well that they should have. A squib kick, yeah. it's called. It's basically, it just means that someone has to catch the kick. Instead, the Chiefs let the ball bounce over their own end zone. That means they start at the 25-yard mm. line. Someone's a touchback. And that doesn't take any time off the clock because the time starts once the person catches the ball. Um, whereas they could have taken that option out of the equation. They could have kicked it lower lower trajectory. That would have maybe risked Tyree Kill, who's an incredibly fast player for the for the Chiefs, an incredible player, a wide receiver, who takes their returns from the kicks. And that would have given him a chance to maybe run in the pitch. But these are the things you have to weigh up. Mm. And in the heat of the moment, they said, look come at us if you're hard enough I'd say was their mantra they're 13 seconds good luck driving 50 yards down the pitch and kicking a field goal but the Chiefs said we'll see you and we'll raise you and they did just that and Harrison Booker made the kick to send it to overtime yeah and I mean speaking of kicks I mean the three other games they all ended in we'll Win- say, winning field goal yeah, walk kicks. off walk off field goals yeah. so basically time is up and uh, as time expires they hit winning field goals to yeah. win the game so yeah all the games they were just incredible there was no blowout win there was nothing it was three upsets and then the Chiefs were the only not, were the only ones with the favourites winning, and they did it by the, as we've just discussed by the narrowest of margins. So, will we start maybe with the Bengals, um, who defeated the Titans, who were the one seeds on the AFC side. Um, yeah, Evan McPherson kicked a game winning. He's a rookie kicker, kicked a game winning fifty two yard field goal uh, to win that game nineteen sixteen. I suppose the maybe the synopsis of that game would be the uh, Derek Henry's return, who was arguably probably again on course to be the leading running back in the NFL this year an absolute beast of a man he's known as King Henry and he was actually back after I think about three months out with what was thought originally a season ending injury he came back a lot of speculation he had his first contact practice only I think this day last week so there was a lot of expectation placed on his door he delivered a touchdown himself uh, probably didn't have as much effect as he can have but it's a lot to ask of man even of his stature um, whereas on the other side of the ball the Bengals who have again kind of like the Bills I feel like you'd have a thing for the Bengals Sam if you got learned a bit about them they've they haven't they I don't think they'd won a playoff game 92 in, was that nice? yeah. yeah 30 years or something I heard yes that would make sense um so yeah they can be your underdog now they'll, they'll definitely be the underdog underdogs going to Arrowhead in that AFC championship game which is effectively the semi-final before the Super Bowl um yeah and they'll turn to the likes of Joe Burrow who 
finished the season very strongly had a tough time against the Titans Titans have a very very good defence and Joe Mixon who just ran it up the gut all day all night he was just pounded the Titans at times he scored a touchdown so they'll really need to get that uh, running game going against the Chiefs and their defence will need to play exceptionally well to try and keep Patrick Mahomes down to a minimum um, on the other side then I'll keep going it's all coming to me you're on fire I'm on fire stop me if you please um, on the other side then there was more surprises in the NFC division uh, where the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a big upset victory last week in Dallas against the Cowboys they defeated the Packers in Lambeau Green Bay's home stadium 13-10 with a game winning field goal of their own um, this was after I don't know did you catch any of the Packers highlights but the Packers have been shocking on it. one of the things over the weekend that came out was special teams that's what the NFL calls your your kicker your the, your punter these sort of positions they're, they're specialised positions they're called the special teams often ignored but if you ignore them you often undervalue and you it's it's to your own detriment you get caught with it and the Packers who have been the, one of the best teams perennial uh, playoff and Super Bowl contenders in the last decade or two They've been shocking on special teams this year. Ranked 32 out of 32 teams coming into the playoffs. That's, there's only 16 teams getting to the playoffs, so they've came last out of teams who didn't even make the playoffs. And it came up and it bit their backside on, on Saturday night, where leading 10-3 midway through the fourth quarter, it looked like the game was gone. Um, they had a, a punt blocked by San Francisco, which was then returned for a touchdown. That, now, that is a momentum changer. Um, basically they were trying to clear their lines in other words as a punt in American football for someone who might not know again they're basically trying to clear their lines and put it down the length of the pitch and force San Francisco to come the length of the fields to score against them instead the San Francisco 49ers blocked that clearance kick and it was blocked near the Packers end zone the 49ers picked it up scored a touchdown it's back to a draw game uh, 49ers then stopped the Packers on their next drive and the 49ers then kick a field goal they come down the pitch as time expires to win it it's just drama it really was though I mean all, all three games I mean some people are saying it was the best weekend of maybe yeah, um, that, that, playoffs that's, ever that's the quote I have here as well possibly one of the greatest weekends of football ever so yeah and I mean it didn't end there because we've got the, maybe the goals uh, in, in Tom Brady he is the goal yeah there's no denying it maybe not the most popular sometimes but his record speaks for itself and um, yeah the, I'm not too sure I think he'll come back again but that may be a debate for another little yeah that while. was my question yeah uh, you, you're not sure but I'm I'd, not sure I'm not sure I'll have to read into it a bit more he's always one he kind of he never gives much away he never gives much away so um, and you, you just saw the value of him in that performance you saw maybe you saw the Paris fading so Tampa Bay were playing the LA Rams in the early game on Sunday night and the Rams or the yeah the Rams took a 27-3 lead now the Rams and um, again to those of you who might not know they're also owned by the owner of Arsenal Stan Kroenke's family so hopefully now United versus Arsenal so the Glazers against yeah correct yeah, yeah a different type of uh, with the Premier League into other dimensions there you go um, so the Rams have basically gone on a crusade this season uh, and probably the last few seasons of buying as much um, so you're in NFL your ways of recruiting players are true free true free agency which is signing players whose contracts have finished elsewhere true trades which is trading players to other teams uh, and getting players or and or draft picks in return or drafting players from college that's how they really enter the league in the first place and the Rams have uh, put a price on giving away their draft picks in in the next few years 
by getting players that are proven winners here and now. So they've drafted players like Vaughn Miller this year, who was a Super Bowl uh, MVP. I don't know exactly was he a Super Bowl, definitely a league MVP or d- defensive player of the year when the Broncos won the Super Bowl um, about 10 years ago as well now. Um, they've drafted pe- or they've traded for people like Matthew Stafford, who's their quarterback. They, they traded away Jared Goff to the Lions and got Stafford in return. Plus, they gave away draft picks for him. They've made it their mission. They're saying this is our, they've basically said, forget the next few years. This is our year. We want it this year, no other years. Um, and they were nearly, nearly knocked out with left with egg on their face having gone 27-3 up midway through the third quarter Tom Brady rallied as the GOAT does and brought it back to 27 apiece with uh, less than a minute to go again but Matthew Stafford in fairness to him he had never won a playoff game up until last uh, last week when they actually beat the Arizona Cardinals and he showed his real mettle when it mattered having played poorly in the second half after being brilliant in the first he found Cooper Cup who's one of the league's standout wide receivers great name as well to boot and they drove down the pitch much like Mahomes with seconds left drove down the length of the pitch and just had a chip over field goal for Mackay a former Tampa Bay Buck the players change around so much in NFL you can come back you can write your own storylines but there's so many narratives and uh, Gay kicked the winning field goal to knock out uh, Tom Brady and it just shows you again how hard it is to defend a Super Bowl it's fascinating isn't it because you know I don't know like it's, it is a discussion for another day but if that imagine if something like that was in soccer or I don't know just some other sport see in America it's always been that way even in the other sports like basketball and stuff so I do find that kind of fascinating it kind of gives I guess teams a chance of maybe even the smaller teams maybe every kind of decade or 15 20s that they could have a couple of years of where they really do something special like the Bengals again for example a team traditionally might not be the the most well known or the biggest but now because they drafted in you know Joe Burrow he was the number one draft pick wasn't he a couple of years ago yeah definitely in the and top a guy five, yeah. Kim like you know just driving that team out to a conference final and stuff it's just uh, it's very interesting we always kind of um, make fun of America for being these kind of you know I guess capitalist kind of uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. ads during the the games but they have a pretty fair system I think one uh, yeah they, they, their sporting system is one that would definitely be espoused in many a communist uh, <laughs> era back in the day because they do everyone gets a chance now you could also say it's a closed knit and there's no ways of teams to get into the NFL they have the closed party closed yeah. shop window but um, yeah it is a very fair way of doing it and it's totally down to what the teams want to do like the Rams have taken it upon themselves to give away their draft picks in favour of here and now players who are maybe a bit more proven a bit more experienced um, whereas other teams they nearly play out the end of their seasons in in the hope of getting that number one pick so that they can get the cream of the, the college players coming through because as I said that's the only way to really enter the league is to come through uh, the draft from the college system into the NFL which is held once a year and which will be held I think in about March or April time again so um, yeah it's a good way of evening it out like the Chiefs took the Chiefs were struggling big time maybe for the last 15 years up until maybe 2014 or 15 or maybe a bit earlier they were quite good um, they were getting a bit better um, but the drafting of Patrick Mahomes has just catapulted them into the here and now and the, and they're now every year they're Super Bowl contenders they they were I think NFC Championship game maybe 2018 won in 2019 lost in 2020 and back again now this year like they they're there they're there every year the Bengals have been in a traditionally very tough division with Pittsburgh who are 
think tied for the all-time leading franchise. Your beloved. My beloved Pittsburgh had to get them in a mention with the Baltimore Ravens who have also been very, very strong. And the Browns have been a bit weaker, but getting better again the last few years with uh, Baker Mayfield and co. So the Bengals have emerged from their shadow as the, uh, the best team in the AFC North this year. So hopefully now they can maybe go on and beat the Chiefs and avenge the Steelers' uh, defeat last week to the Chiefs. So it's all, yeah, it's, it's a very fair way of doing it and it, it throws up um, different teams every now and again but it also you also really get to see the value of how the Patriots stayed so successful for so long in that they weren't getting the best picks but they were still keeping themselves relevant every year for that period of um, Tom Brady's career and Bill Belichick in charge so it just shows there's different ways of of managing, and there's so much creativity on the part of general manager, the head coach, and some of the top players they have into keeping a team going over a number of years. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. No, that that's uh, Berlin. Now that's a great summary. Thanks for that, James. So to finish up, I guess if you were to call these two games out um, at the weekend, how do you see them going? Who's okay. going to come through? So we have the Bengals and the Chiefs in the AFC side, and we have the Forty ers and the Rams. Um, <clears throat> I mean. It's hard to look past the Chiefs in the AFC game. Um, they're, they're at home again, aren't they? It's all the fourth year in a row. At home again in Arrowhead. The Bengals have had a great run, a great season. I just can't see them being able to hold up. The Chiefs had a slow start to the season, um, but since they've got going, really since about week six or week seven, they've just been non-stop and just getting better and better. And they just know how to get it done at this time of the year. And I just think Joe Burrow maybe this experience will come back and shape him to be a better player in future years I'd love a close game I hope it's not a rout like all the games this week have been brilliant and I hope the Bengals run the Chiefs close but I just think the Chiefs have too much of them I don't think the Bengals defence would be able to cope um, and then in the other game the NFC side I think we'll be the 49ers going to LA um, the LA Rams and again the 49ers have great momentum behind them now in that beating Dallas on the road and Green Bay they're like their underdogs for both of those and they've like with uh, Bosa and their defense they're very very strong they're kind of winning in spite of their quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo who led them to a Super Bowl two years ago and when they lost to the Chiefs um, who's been coughing up kind of poor plays but I think if they can keep if their defense can keep it tight and force a few turnovers like the Rams started coughing up the ball big time when like once momentum went against them at the weekend they fumbled the ball um, I think twice in the last quarter or twice in maybe the third and the fourth quarter so if they can make if they can get some big turnover against them well then maybe people like Debo Samuel for the 49ers can work a bit of magic and Jimmy Garoppolo can keep his turnovers to a minimum but again I think you have to favour the Rams um, at home so I think the Chiefs and the Rams will be Super Bowl this year very good looking forward to it. thanks very much for that that was uh, ticket ticket just a, a few breaths there now no, you were going whistle stop tour non-stop no very good very good um, yeah I'm looking forward to it. who knows maybe you might have just tempted me into staying up again uh, <laughs> this weekend for a game we'll see um, but uh, moving on I mean if we thought the NFL was dramatic I think the, the club championship's nearly matched it because uh, we go from what, um, some of the great players uh, present in the NFL to some of the great players are present in, in hurling and where else to start with Ballyhale Shamrocks at the weekend TJ Reid I mean you couldn't write the script two points down going into uh, pretty much the last yeah. puck of the ball um, he was what 30 yards out yeah it is the perfect analogy nearly to the NFL isn't it it's just it's almost spooky to see how it happened in, in the GA context as well but yeah TJ Reid 
last play of the game 20 yards out I think 30 yards maybe a bit generous we'll give him 20 because we're from Cork um, <laughs> but yeah stuck it in the corner incredible like as time expired effectively St. Thomas who had really been probably the deserved winners they'd rallied again after an earlier penalty that, that uh, TJ Reid had, had tucked away they rallied again and put up a couple of points looked like they were just about going to get their nose in front or just about to get to the finishing line before Ballyhale um, but you just can't write them off they're just they know how to get it done at this time of the year Ballyhale they're they're serial winners at this level and it just showed again um, it just showed the quality that they have in TJ Reid and that he's just the expert marksman of, of the GA of this era yeah and you know it, they're going for the third All-Ireland I think aren't they as well a club title there was no no um, All-Ireland series last year with Covid but it just I mean that's a serious achievement especially uh, at club level we've seen Finn do it in the football but um, you know we, we saw Henry I guess kind of announcing himself on the Management, on the management scene yeah, yeah. having having won um, an All-Ireland club hurling uh, with Ballyhale he then managed them to one so they're um, they, they're they're just incredible you could nearly write a book on them and their exploits the last few years it'd be interesting now to see how they'll get on against Ballygunner it's going to be a cracking game yeah, I think yeah 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 Ballyhale or Ballygunner really really will put it up to them so it'll be interesting to see how they get on but uh, yeah James O'Connor now in charge of Ballyhale so uh, Henry Shefflin used them as maybe as a, a step in his managerial role and as Kieran mentioned now uh, we'll wait we'll wait with Beta Brett after his prediction last week about Galway next year so it'd be interesting to see how they go but yeah Ballyhale Ballygunner I don't know I don't know how you could call that one yeah it's going to be a belter they got through a very brave performance to be fair from Slock Neil losing out in the end 219 to 117 but uh, doing some great stuff for uh, Derry Hurling for Ulster Hurling in general so hopefully they'll be back over the next couple of years um, a very interesting I don't know if you had a look at some of the other intermediate results as well we've got a Kerry team and a Kildare team in the final of the intermediate uh, club championship so we've got Nace of Kildare up against Kilmoyley mar- managed by former Cork manager John Myler so um, that should be very interesting as well I think we had um, four in the semi-finals we had four teams from we'll say non-traditional kind of hurling strongholds we had a Mayo team in there as well and uh, the other one escapes me now off the top of my head but um, just very interesting to see uh, I suppose that kind of um you know that that hopefully emerging level. I know the Kildare grass, grassroots exactly. hurling yeah, across, know, spread across the country. Yeah. I know Kildare have done a lot of great work there. I've seen read a few articles and well, some of the yeah. development work they've been doing. Well, you mentioned um, Schlock Neil and their success in both. Like they've been incredibly good at um, both codes over the last decade or two. A very strong football team as well. We came across them in 2018 with Nemo in the uh, All Ireland Club semi final, but they've just been there, thereabouts in both codes, and they're really flying the flag for Ulster. And um, as you mentioned, Nace there as well, like they arguably could have and nearly should have beaten Kilmacud uh, this year in the uh, Leinster senior football. So they're, to say they're also in an All Ireland intermediate hurling final or semi final is exceptional, exceptional work by them. So yeah, it's great to see. Um, it being spread around I, that's news to me now that, that there was a Mayo team as well but yeah Kilmoyley as well they've been very strong down through the years um, really representing North Kerry hurling very well yeah it's very a real uh, proud hurling kind of tradition there it's yeah. only a small pocket but you have the likes of uh, Licksnall, Licksnall. Yeah. Licksnall Shane Conway used Shane, his own Shane, Shane Conway I was, I was just the name was escaping me I was going to say who was the UCC hurler who's been exceptional the last few years but yeah Shane Conway has been incredible so 
um, yeah, Kerry Hurling's definitely on the way up. I think they had a, they had a big scalp against Tipperary a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, a few Limerick players involved now with them as well who would have won all Ireland at yeah, uh, that, underage that, level. That would nearly be a, a debate for another day. I know there was some, some purists maybe weren't too happy. It was like the invention of the grandparent rule yeah. that we saw the Irish soccer team use to great value in the 90s under Jack Charlton. They were saying the GA have brought in the grandparent rule now in, in Hurling to try and resurrect the fortunes of some of the lesser known Hurling counties. But... I mean, you can't begrudge um, the Kerry Hurlers of a superb victory over Tipperary a few weeks ago, and you can't begrudge Kilmoyle over there. Like, they've been knocking at the door of those ranks for many years. Yeah, so great to see. And also, just one final honourable mention um, before we wrap up our uh, club action for the weekend. Uh, we had some Cork representation as well because we've got uh, a place for my own neck of the woods out to come up against it myself. Just shows you the <laughs> level of club we would have played with. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Bally Giblin and North Cork uh, small parish uh, are into the final of the All-Ireland Junior Championship uh, they're going to be taking on Mooncoin of Kilkenny in the final so um, best luck to them and uh, uh, you know I guess we've got the football kind of restructuring stuff which I'm sure we'll get into over the next few weeks but it's just uh, great to see you know how we, or no matter what grade it is that you know we're seeing these kind of club finals all being played in Crow Park and what it means to every community yeah it's, it really is like the, the junior championship has about as much meaning as the senior and I guess we're trying to get that kind of sorted from the football uh, inter-county side of things so I'm um, sure we'll be uh, looking into that a little bit further over the next few weeks yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry I might jump in yeah the, Ballygiblin they had a great win against uh, Manchester team so it's yeah, interesting Gales, interesting yeah. to, to see that um, I know um, I know the or the uh, the UK based teams often play a part in the maybe the quarter final stages of of uh, senior um, club competitions, and that uh, one of the provincial winners might have to go over and play um, the 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 UK winners um, or the English winners. So yeah, it's interesting to see that, and it's just an interesting narrative, and also to see Mark Keane back playing for them as well. He's yeah. been played a big part in their run to the All Ireland Club final. So Mark Keane back on Lee side after his uh, stint in Australia playing Aussie rules, so has decided to commit himself to the GA. So hopefully that's to Cork's benefit in both codes I know he's lined out for the Cork hurlers this year in a few friendlies so it'll be interesting to see his development now in the next few years yeah definitely exciting times ahead as the season really begins to kick into gear but uh, we'll be talking rugby now very very shortly Kieran Danini's here with us so he'll be coming in uh, to discuss Munster's victory and indeed the current state of the Heineken Champions Cup that's all to come but we've got a tune for you now to give you a break James you've earned it anyway to be fair to you you've really uh, put in the barnstorming shift so far so uh, since you're a resident DJ would you like to introduce us to the song today uh, this one now will be known to many maybe not the name might be too familiar but the, the tune once you hear the little intro you'll know straight away this is one now for the, the clubs will be back this week as we've seen with the with Hall Martin bringing back the good times and uh, this one will be in many a clubs and dance floors I'd say over the next few weeks but this is Shooting Stars by Bag Raiders alright enjoy
Yes, I hope you enjoyed that one. Shooting Stars, Bag Raiders, Resident DJ James and Donovan uh, picking that one for us. So I hope everyone will be bopping along to that wherever you're go to. A jaunt is at the during the week. But you, you were telling me there, James, you're being very sensible over the next few days. You've uh, sports taking priority, which we yeah. love to hear on well, the show. I actually, I, I had a very tame Freedom Day now, Sam. I am. Um, I actually had a bit of a Christmas Day party at home because everyone got COVID at Christmas time, so not not many of our people from outside the outside the county were able to travel down to visit us. So once uh, once we were given the green light, now a few people came down on Saturday evening, and we had a good old jaunt at home. So um, not quite the turkey and ham, but something close, and uh, really felt like Christmas, uh, even though it was the. 20th of January but yeah this week now Thursday night I think we'll get back to it um, I think the licensing I think is due to come into place maybe during the week I know a lot of places were left a bit uh, were caught nearly a bit out but not expecting the restrictions so yeah uh, hopefully they'll have the uh, the necessary licenses in place to cater for me on Thursday night and that I can stay until they'll have to be they'll pull me out of there kicking and screaming very good Kieran. where are you um any, any, uh, did you enjoy your freedom day? You were a bit sensible though, too, by the sounds of it. I was, I was. I was a designated driver um, down in Kinsale, so the things I do for my girlfriend, huh? Um, yeah, so. It Romance was, ain't dead. I know, yeah. Uh, no, it was actually lovely. I was down in Kinsale and there was a great buzz around the place, all right. Um, we actually ended up going in somewhere by, I think we were there for like eight o'clock and there was no seats left, so it's, <laughs> there was lads in there from dinner, I'd say, um, straight in from six o'clock. But uh, yeah, it's going to be um, going to be a busy Rico in town, I'd say. And it's great to have fans back now, uh, full stadiums hopefully yep. over the next few weeks. And uh, yep. Toman Park, where else to start? But uh, again, about thirteen thousand there uh, for the game uh, yesterday against Wasps, and hopefully we'll have a full one for for the visit of Exeter Chiefs uh, in in a few months' time. But uh, 43-7 winners, or 45-7 winners, rather, uh, against Wasps. Um, a better performance, I think it's fair to say. Only their fifth game, to be fair, since that uh, infamous South African trip at this stage. And I guess, you know, maybe some of the points that Johan van Graan, the players, have been making about the reason why they were so disjointed is because just the lack of game time, um, rotating squads. It did seem like it was a step in the right direction uh, yesterday. Yeah, it did. I mean, like, I think whenever Munster put on um, uh, a big score victory you you the, one of the first things you do is have a look at the opposition which is perhaps a little bit unfair um, wasps weren't great by um, any means uh, but uh, at the same time there were elements of monsters play which would give you um, some sort of hope going forward into that exit exeter game in the in the knockout stages um I suppose the the key things are you know eight line breaks, fifteen offloads, um, twenty two defenders beaten, which is much better compared to what we were, um, subject to in the last uh, in the last couple of months, um, some very good performances I thought. Gavin Coombs um, played very well, but Ben Ben Healy kind of really stole the um stole the stole the show, uh, with a magnificent performance. Um, found found fantastic space in behind. Um the line speed defence which it was kind of it's like you know when um, a team in soccer half presses the ball and they don't do it properly and it actually makes things a hell of a lot worse because then all of a sudden there's loads of space in one particular part of the pitch so I mean the the, the Wasps um, line defence speed wasn't wasn't great but at the same time at least Healy had the imagination and the ability to to, to exploit that um, so yeah it'll be interesting going into the extra day game they're not um, on the same level as what they were 
last year um, but you know it's still going to be a very tough game uh, yeah it is yeah I mean they, they, they lost to Leinster didn't they last year at home in the quarterfinals but uh I suppose one, maybe one of their first real tests in the competition as well you know coming up against a big English pack it's been one of the criticisms okay they've been winning games but you know it's always been said and the evidence is there to prove it as well James that you know uh, when you come up against these big English teams or big French teams who uh, with a big pack big physical presence that Munster seem to just always come up short um, so you know it's going to be uh, a tough task but have you seen I don't know if you caught the game at the weekend or anything but uh, what's the sense from listening to us here you know where where Munster at and are they going in the in the right direction it's always hard to tell at this time of year I think you always take stock more towards the end of the season I mean it's interesting especially with Johan van Kran kind of announcing mid-season that he'll be departing so that also kind of you, you've kind of mixed intentions like what are the players playing for are they playing to keep their jobs next year I don't know there's been a few contracts announced yes they've they've struggled with the pack over the years as you mentioned uh, most notably I think with Saracens who brought a new level to the physicality in the European game so it was good to see them maybe fronting up on that level and they really have some exciting players coming through there most, most notably maybe Alex Kandelin a uh, really impressive player I got a great try a few weeks ago to win it well, I can't can't actually remember what game that was but it was a great try to win the game Ulster Ulster yeah. there you go thank you Sam um, um, so yeah it'll be interesting Exeter Chiefs will be a very tricky game as well Exeter have been really strong over the last few years on the European circuit so um, whereas then you have Leinster against Connacht which will be an interesting one as well are you in favour of these two-legged playoffs yeah I was going to say that actually very interesting um, new 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 one brought in so yeah I don't know is there going to be an away goal away tries rule now when we brought into the keep uh, a clean sheet nil nil <laughs> yeah I actually don't know like I know it's the the aggregate scoreline obviously yeah, yeah, matters yeah. it'll it, like you would think that it's unlikely that you'd actually have it level after the two rounds but I think it's most tries scored is it most tries scored yeah. yeah there you go I, even though I'd love an old penalty goal shootout like we there had was one, one Leicester, Leicester and Cardiff I think was yeah. fantastic and yeah. it got down to the forwards and everything and think Tom, did, Tom yeah. Croft the flanker kicked the winning one yeah yeah it was, it was someone like that and it was just great to see like the different run ups and lads yeah. like half shanking the ball and just getting it over <laughs> we got so close to um, Castro Giovanni taking one I, I just remember watching it with my brother and he called me and he said watch this they're gonna like we, we were we were, chan- we were going for each team in the extra time that was furthest from their line or something to try and make them stay in the middle of the pitch I think the actual card of out half actually missed his then yeah. as well yeah 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 but there, but there was someone who you thought I don't think it was the out half but it was might have been the full back it was someone that you kind of expected or the, one of the centres to actually be able to kick the goal but have some coordination at the same time like a ma- like if if someone like poor old Stephen Archer or John Ryan was lining up to take one you, like he'd probably pull his hamstring on That's the third what I mean, or fourth like, uh, uh, the Jay Wacker we get on the ex-footballers yeah. even though Tyke Furlong, I'd say, would be able to punt one over. Patrick, I mean, Ka- Patrick Campbell and all those guys. Then, well, I know he's a fullback, but I guess there is a few, even among the forwards, I think that have played Jay or yeah. Gaelic football at some sort of reasonable level. So, in, yeah. in, that could be a secret weapon. I yeah. just remember Victor Matfield famously kicking the ball to touch for South Africa, and I think a 2007 World Cup game against England. So, it hasn't. It's not unheard of that the forwards like an all kick sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a. Uh, but I guess yeah. So where are we at the last sixteen? I mean. Leinster standing out I think it's fair to say again even though look bad I think we're, we're desperate I watched the game and uh, I mean they're bottom of the table for some reason why Van Gran wants to go there I mean it's it's probably for the we'll say the 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 of the pound must be in good currency over there at the nice moment nice part of the world is it that, is the yeah. Roman uh, Ro- old style kind of Roman city yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So Diolande apparently could be going with him now as well. JP Ferreira has already been confirmed to go. There's reports saying uh, Damien Diolande might join him. But uh, I hope we just see him back in a monster jersey before the end of the season because he's had his injury problems as well. But uh, was there anything else that stood out to you, Kieran, at, at the weekend? Or is it kind of business as usual now that the chaos of COVID's kind of been put behind the competition a little bit although I know the seedings and stuff are a little bit skewed yeah I mean I, I just thought some uh, uh, some of the games were very very enjoyable I um, I loved watching the highlights of the the Stade Francais Connacht game uh, like Connacht did you know throw it away in the end like in fairness to them but uh, it was just really really enjoyable to watch I think the 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 two-legged affair um will be interesting I, I just I hate the idea of we'll say a Leinster blowing away a Connacht and then Connacht putting out like a, a second string team in, in the in the return leg or something like that you know because the integrity of the of the competition has been called into question with as you say the blowout fixtures now some of that was uh, because of um, COVID factors but like it, over the years you know for the French teams in particular or the English teams if they were struggling in the Premiership, you know, fielding weaker teams and getting um and getting absolutely hockeyed, it hasn't done the competition any favours. But uh, yeah, look, we'll see it. They're giving it a go. And um I think uh it, what what's what's good is is that, you know, a a, a province like Munster um who like th- those kind of knockout games in Thoman Park are so special and it's a shame when they're they're you know in previous campaigns where they've had to play away and they haven't been able to experience the the kind of full crowd so at least they'll they'll have a shot at that and a lot of other teams will as well of course it's a dreadful draw though really for Munster they couldn't really have asked for anything worse because their award for playing Exeter could be uh, Toulouse or Ulster then in the quarterfinals yeah. Leinster are on the same side of the draw all four provinces on the same side of the draw so we won't have an All-Irish final best case scenario we may have a, a, an All-Ireland semi-final but I mean it's so difficult you've got as I said Toulouse-Ulster Leinster-Connacht uh, ourselves in Exeter there as well and it's just an absolutely stacked uh, half of the draw so yeah, yeah. yeah. but look I mean it's going to be if, if, if Munster Munster are going to need a heck of a performance to beat Exeter but you know in terms of uh, what they've come up with over the last couple of years it probably would be their their biggest result for a long time in Europe. I Toulon, mean, probably uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, when, when Andrew Conway got the fantastic try, uh, yeah, was that was that two thousand nineteen? Sorry, yeah, Edinburgh was nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been it's been a good while. So, and, and you know, if it's it's now or never for Munster, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think we had some more news about the weekend on the Munster um, kind of management side of things. Uh, looks like Mike Prendergast ruled out of return now. Looks sometimes you have to take these speculations with a a pinch of salt, but it's. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there really I mean it's a mystery Graham Roundtree it looks maybe odds on who knows but um, yeah and I, I think that's that's probably uh, going to be the only option for safe, Munster in the end yeah I mean it's that or you know we were speaking about um, Prendergast last week and you know we weren't too sure whether he would come or not Munster just don't have the pull anymore you know um, I think from the outside Why we, we look though? a bit well we, we look a bit disorganised whatever it is um, the fact that we're having to bring so many players from, from Leinster hasn't helped um, I, I yeah I, I just think even 
maybe there's coaches out there who feel like there's just this kind of losing mentality in the club and they just can't get over that final hurdle That's, yeah um, it's quite a strong statement but yeah. I, I know where you're coming from James you were you were making the dollar signs there but they have outside private investments that's why they were able to bring in the likes of Damien Diolande and Orgy Snyman and there's um, Bernard Jackman was speaking the last couple of days in the media and he said that once they have a budget of around 8.5 million uh, Leinster are probably slightly higher um, with, with about 10 million Ulster will be similar enough to, to Munster so they have invested like heavily in in bringing in we'll say top class internationals I mean it's a, a fantastic atmosphere a fantastic stadium um, although I'm sure uh, fans won't like the fact that Van Graan mentioned that going to bat is a true rugby city which I'm sure uh, didn't go down well is it because maybe the Limerick city now being more maybe of a hurling county it's it's <laughs> turned into a bit of a religion there now like you know with their success they've had like is that impacting no, the I think, or I think what is it I think most there will always be a special place to go and I think anyone who ever goes there talks about it being such a sacred and special place in, in rugby terms so and I don't I don't particularly buy into the kind of losing mentality there either yes they probably haven't had a, a great record against Leinster maybe the last decade or so but I don't think they've a particularly losing mentality about them I think they go every year um, with the intention to win the biggest competitions and I think they still have the players who on their day are probably capable of doing it or running very close to doing it so um, I think it still has a certain draw a certain uh, a certain pull for players and um, yeah but I do think that they are capped in a sense by their like they don't pay the biggest wage salaries that, that they can compete like the players go to France that they can maybe have that financial security that they might not have to work at um, if they so please after they retire or something just that bit of financial security that comes with being a top level professional athlete which maybe Munster traditionally maybe in the last few years they're I'm sure they had they paid them their players handsomely and more more money than me or you may ever see in our lifetimes. But still, um, it doesn't seem to be able to not enough to keep the best players here. Shall I put it like that? Well, I haven't given up my dreams of being a professional tennis player just yet, James. So wake up and smell the roses. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's some news then. I don't. Know, maybe there's not much we can really. Um, look into this but you know Jason Jenkins looks like he might go to Leinster we've only seen him once I think from Munster um, he was brought in to replace CJ Stander it looks like there could be a, in, in very just I just thought it was interesting to see Leinster maybe looking down south to bring in a player who's kind of unproven in the Northern Hemisphere makes a change doesn't it yeah. um, for, for it to go the other way yeah I mean that's another reason like or another observation like so some of the players that Munster have brought in over the years from from overseas and then like two or three years go by and they featured for them like a handful of times in you know the whatever the either either not even in Europe like you know in the kind of the, the domestic leagues and then you're kind of going like what's the what's the point of bringing these lads in you know so it's it, it is a strange one you know it's yeah. a very strange one well, look, we'll have to that the soap opera continues, I suppose, uh, for the next few weeks. Anyway, we look forward to to seeing how it unfolds, and uh, admittedly, it does give us plenty to talk about on the show. So. Uh you know, keep it coming if it has a happy ending <laughs> at the end of it I think it's fair to say uh, but now moving on to our last segment of the show and uh, Kieran, I know this is something you wanted to discuss it's our hidden gem for this week you want to bring up our topic it's something that probably would be quite familiar to people although it hasn't maybe received the same amount of coverage as maybe other other sports awards well I'd say now over the weekend with Freedom Day and all that uh, one of the things that you tend to do after when you haven't seen your friends for a long time or uh, 
you know or you after having a load of drink is you start talking about kind of fantasy teams and uh don't talk about fantasy premier league it's not going well <laughs> for me and uh and this that and the other so we're you know we're talking about the the team of the year and um we've a couple of us now have have done our own ones here uh from the last calendar year 12 months um who should be in there who shouldn't be in there maybe some deserving names and undeserving names and uh whether really there's a there's a point in any of it at all at this stage um i mean my the my feeling for it is that that over the years that even when Barcelona and Real Madrid were playing really really badly you always seem to have seven or eight players from their yeah, teams get into it there's constantly. an El Clasico bias that has to be accounted yeah, for yeah there, a huge El Clasico bias in it without a doubt um, which I could never really get my head around um, obviously there were a period of a couple of years where Barcelona and Real Madrid were dominating kind of the around 2011-2012 kind of era and then obviously Madrid went on that run of winning three or four of them um in a row uh and you know there's still it's slightly improving um but i like i mean we can run through my team but i mean i can't believe messi was in this year's one i just i know he's probably the best of all time but when you consider the last 12 it's months it's an easy enough option though to pick him isn't it yeah yeah and it doesn't uh it doesn't really upset um it doesn't really upset anyone but um like also the formation that they had this time around it looks like they were playing with four strikers <laughs> so like it's just so unrealistic you know it's just like I'd, I'd love if they actually just came out and um, and kind of explained their thought process behind it um, you know so yeah well do you want to go through yours uh, very quickly there so yeah so I, I actually just found the, the proper one actually that they've they've come up with um, for this year so I'll run through that one first so it's Donnarumma um, Alaba Benucci Ruby uh, Ruben Diaz, Kevin De Bruyne, Jorginho, Kante, Lewandowski, Messi, Ronaldo and Haaland. Um, so, I mean, I think like there's always going to be a couple of names that could have gone on it that aren't on it. But I think the fact that you have Ronaldo, Messi, Haaland and Lewandowski all up front is a little bit ridiculous. And as good as Ronaldo has been at periods for Manchester United and scoring against Ireland, those two goals, um, I think he's a very lucky boy to be up there as well. Um, but my own one, now there was a slight bias but I suppose I should go say that like mine is coming from a point of view of it's not just who I think is the best player but I think it it, it has to go on the season point of view you know and what they've achieved um, and a couple of you know interesting stories in there as well um, so I have Edward Mendy in there um, this is a guy who six or seven years ago I think was released um, from a a second tier French club and was on social welfare for a period and then fast forward just a few years and um, he's winning the, the, the Champions League with uh, with Chelsea and being named goalkeeper of the year it's a fantastic story I think um, right back Trent Alexander-Arnold um, Ruben Diaz had Benucci in there but I also had I wanted to give it to Thiago Silva because I just think you know after winning the Champions League um, deserved it but alright I'll put Benucci in um, Man City's uh, Cancelo and then in the midfield Kante Jorginho and Marco Verratti Salah uh, Lewandowski and Haaland then up top and uh, James uh, coming to you then like do you think that uh, well, first of all what are the thoughts on, on that team would you agree with us and also do you think these awards and honours are kind of important to players are they important to fans like do you 
read too much into it or I wouldn't I wouldn't I think they're they're a topic of conversation when they're announced and people get a bit annoyed by them because they well they might not they might get the general gist of what the feeling is they maybe not they, I don't think they get it all right and it, maybe it is tricking them to get it totally right like everyone can have gripes about individual players particularly when it's an 11 made up in an 11 team lineup. I mean one that sticks out to me is Federico Chiesa I think he was exceptional in the Euros definitely worth the shout there plays basically was probably Italy's best player, I think, during the Euros. So I think he's worthy of a mention in there. Like, Ronaldo, um, while he was the top scorer in the Euros, I don't know that he had that much of an impact on it. A couple of penalties included there. So he's been his scoring record has been impressive with United, but then have United done particularly well with him? Like, that's another kettle of fish, Sam. Um, <laughs> like, you can pick holes in all of it. I wouldn't give it the biggest weight in the world. I think individual honors might be worth more I don't know like, but then, do you but think it's important to the players or is it just an ego thing maybe even I think it's a nice recognition for the players to get I don't think they set out at the start of the year and like, their goals are not to get into FIFA Pro World 11 at the start of the season their goals are to win the World Cup to work, well every four years when the World Cup is to win the Champions League is to win the Premier League is to win the La Liga whatever their domestic league is It's they're, they're the ones they're set out for so I think Maybe to get in their domestic league team of the year is probably even more like sometimes that can be harder than getting in this because mm. like, this may like who votes for these things as yeah. well is another thing. You see, so. I think there's a there's the Euro bias in there as well because like as you were saying, Chiesa and he did come into um, my thought process and the Spinazzola, the left back or the left wing back. Yeah. But you're kind of judging them on four or five games. Um, you know and I think if you took out that's nearly where the pressure is highest though yeah yeah no uh, true but I think if you like took if you took the Euros out of the equation I don't think we're we're not we might not even know who Spinazzola is you know because he's playing for Roma Um, and Chiesa okay he played well uh, as well against Chelsea actually in the Champions League recently Um, but yeah but it's uh, the fact that Salah wasn't in it I just couldn't get over it um, in the official one given that he is yeah the best that's player in the world at the moment you know true. yeah he's unplayable it's, it's, yeah. it's fair to say actually this escaped me as well it's, it, like it's actually a farce that he's not in the alongside there so yeah i mean that kind of just does the again the credibility of it kind of is it really is it really worth it when you you know salah not in there a couple of others maybe as well um is there like a so I, I I must admit I don't follow really the individual kind of side even then the Ballon d'Or and stuff it wouldn't really matter to me no. um, who who wins or not so I wouldn't follow it closely is there a ceremony for this Kieran is there any kind of yeah, way of, of yeah, actually yeah no there is a ceremony and um I'd say it's pretty exclusive. I'd, I'd it probably costs a fortune. There's probably advertising. They just do it for the money, like There's everything else. There's probably a big party you know? afterwards where all the administrators get to <sighs> indulge themselves in whatever debauchery yeah. takes their fancy. So yeah, <laughs> talk about the Super League and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, the latest. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think it's worth more to the administrators and so dignitaries than it is actually worth. It's a night out for them, as yeah. you say. Like yeah. that's probably a fair point. Was as there well. anyone who you thought should have gone in there, Sam? I have to say. From what you've read there now, you're in terms of your team now and the actual team, I think yeah, Salah is definitely the one that sticks out for me. I think you make a fair point as well. Definitely about Ronaldo. Um, I could nearly accept Messi being in there, especially with the the Cup America and stuff as well. But yeah, Ronaldo can definitely find himself lucky, I think, to be in there. But yeah, Salah is the one that jumps out for me. I personally felt like Lewandowski should have won the Ballon d'Or in a way a while back. So um, the you know he should. I think be acknowledged more maybe because he doesn't have the same presence kind of or you know 
personality or online kind of thing you know compared to like a Ronaldo or a Messi who's just on every billboard everywhere and absolutely just they're just too iconic he's a change agent yeah <laughs> yeah well look it's that he's an interesting kind of background which you might get into another night, day but he's very he's the epitome of like professional Lewandowski he's kind of like keeps away from the Limelight, his wife is a physiotherapist, really looks after his body, he's set himself really kind of dedicates himself to his craft. So I think he's going to be around for a long time to come still. He's, what, 33, 34? Yeah, about that, In yeah. the prime of his career. And I think from, from reading um, some articles on him, I can see why. So I'd, I'd urge anyone who's interested just to... And why he's gone from being kind of elite to absolutely world class to one of the best in the world it's definitely well worth a look but uh, yeah interesting stuff thanks very much guys for that uh, thanks very much for coming in again this week good to be back uh, just a reminder if you want to podcast the show you can on Spotify uh, from tomorrow on again and you can now rate us on uh, Spotify five stars please um, it'll help us gain a bit more exposure so uh, follow us on the beautiful game on Spotify and uh, for the latest uh, episodes uh, and whatnot. so um, that's pretty much it for this week guys pleasure as always now we have a song to play us out uh, very poignant one I think it's fair to say uh, resident DJ James O'Donovan and uh, Kieran both assistant, kind of assistant yeah. DJ <laughs> Kieran. I was yeah. actually just hungry which is why I thought of this guy yeah. well, well, well I don't know what is a meatloaf <laughs> I don't think it's Super Bowl. It's, it's an American thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll look into it for the, we want to have our own Super Bowl. So. Is it like Billy Roll or something like that, or is it a bit more more, more 